Today on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll talks about forgiveness. When you and I came to the cross in our unsaved state, in our lost condition, when we came to salvation, when we came to the open arms of Jesus and trusted Him and Him alone, by faith alone, He cleansed our lives. He never shames us for the life we once lived. He never holds us in probation to get past the life we once lived. He cleansed us. The most valuable things in life take time. Time to maintain, time to nurture, time to enjoy. Today on Insight for Living, you'll hear Chuck Swindoll continue part two of a message introduced last time. It's based on a sensitive section of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul gives a strong admonition to husbands and wives. We'll be reminded that cultivating a healthy marriage relationship requires hard work, lots of intentional sacrifice, and following the biblical pattern established thousands of years ago. Here's Chuck Swindoll now to set the stage before presenting his message about the most challenging of all relationships. working our way through the letter to the Ephesians, and we've come to a very important part the wives have been waiting for. We arrive at it today as we search the scriptures, especially verses 25 to 33. I want us to bow our heads for a few moments of quietness. You brought with with you today certain needs. I want you to join with us in prayer. I want us all to enter into this time. This is a great occasion for you to release whatever is heavy on your mind, weighing you down as if you're carrying a burden. This is an opportunity for us to remember another person that may come to mind today. They may be going through a desperate situation. They may be in a dangerous place or a painful place, or you may be. Uh, Our Father, today we find relief in knowing that you're there and we talk to you as though you were sitting right next to us this day. For indeed, though we cannot see you by faith, we believe you're there. Whom having not seen, we love. In whom though now we see him not yet believing, we rejoice with a joy that's unspeakable. You bring us such relief and release in life, our Father. It would be so lonely without you. Uh, The nights would linger Interminably, the pressure would be uh, more than we could bear. The tests would be incalculable were we to be in this journey alone, but thankfully we're not. We ask you to take every part of that which makes us who we are our temperament, our personality, our our gifts, our drives, our ambitions, our dreams, 
our failures, our, our hopes, our sorrows, our disappointments, everything that makes up whatever is life for us. Take our lives and let them be set apart to Thee. Take whatever we have, take whoever we love, take wherever you find us, and let it be set apart to Thee. We ask you to take care of those people and situations that are beyond our ability to fix or change. Relieve our minds of the worry of it, of it all, because like thorns and briar that grow around a, a lovely garden and finally choke out the blooms, these things have a way of choking us, and we are not able even to hear what you have to say today. Even hear the things that aren't said that are often the most important. And while you're taking these things, Lord, we ask you to take our silver and our gold, not a mite would we withhold. Everything we have is yours. You own it all. Even things we call our savings and our investments and our, our nest eggs and those things, all terms from our culture, you, you own it all. And we have a pleasure now, like at no other place in our lives, to give to you for the work that will outlive us in a world that has long ago lost its way. Give us a sense of refreshment and redirection and rejoicing as we give to you today. Take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. In the sweet name of Jesus, our Savior and our tender God, we pray. Amen. You're listening to Insight for Living. You can access Bible study materials for the series on Becoming a People of Grace by going to insight.org. And now Chuck Swindoll to speak on the most challenging of all relationships. Forgive me for interrupting my talk here, but maybe to get your attention, this is serious stuff, guys. This is straight talk. This isn't entertaining. This isn't about what I want to tell you or what you'd like to hear. This is the pattern. These are the threads woven into his plan for the marriage. It starts with sacrifice. If your love isn't sacrificial, she knows it, and it's having an impact on your marriage because you're selfish. You're unwilling to give up for her. She can tell it. And she knows something's wrong. She just may not know exactly what it is. It just comes out as being an unsacrificial kind of union that won't work and won't do it. Second, I sanctify, verse 26, so that he might sanctify her. Uh, what in the world does that mean? To sanctify something uh, is to set it apart for its original purpose. Don't miss that. 
When something is sanctified, it's not a religious term. It has a religious connotation, but it's not a religious term. For example, when you came into this building, you sanctified the chair when you sat down in it. You fulfilled its original purpose. It was made not to be carried. It was made not to be put in your car. It was made not to be painted. Originally, the chair was made to be sat in. When you sat in it, you set it apart for its original purpose. When I put on this tie today, I set apart this tie because it's made to be worn, not to hang in a closet. When I put my glasses on today, immediately when I got out of bed so that I would know where I was, I sanctified, I set them apart for their original purpose so I could see clearly and I could read. When you got in your car to drive to this meeting, you put your key in the ignition, and when you started driving, you sanctified your car. You fulfilled its original purpose of being built. Now, having said all of that about chairs and ties and glasses and cars, what does that have to do with a marriage? You set your wife's purpose apart. And you and she agree on what that is. You help her fulfill her purpose as a wife. Now, if you don't know where to start, go back to the pattern. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Let's go when marriage was first invented. The Lord created it. So let's check with the creator. Genesis 2 Verse 18, I love this verse. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. The very first term used to describe the purpose of the wife is helping. She's one who assists in the fulfillment of this relationship. I often have said in teaching this that the Lord gave the man the melody line in the music and he gave the woman the harmony part. You sing the obligato, if you will. If you love music, you know what I'm referring to. You are the one that adds color and harmony and beauty to the relationship. Otherwise, it's rather meat and potatoes, plain old primitive line called melody. The man leads in the melody, but the woman is the helper suitable for him. She fits him. She is arranged by God to know fulfillment in that relationship that's setting her apart for that purpose. Have you done that? I read this past week of a husband sitting next to his wife as they, as a couple, were sitting in his place. She was filling out an official document, and she came to the line that said occupation. Had a line there. And she wrote, housewife. He frowned and tenderly put his arm around her and he said, honey, you're not a housewife. You're my wife. Now, you know what I, what, right there, the husbands are going, what? And every wife is going, I know exactly what you're saying. Exactly. We, we are just different frequency. She felt a rush of fulfillment 
when his arm was placed around her shoulders and he pulled up close to her and said tenderly, you're not wifing a house. You're mine. You're mine. I I couldn't be what I am without you. I couldn't know what life is about without you in my life. You're my wife. There's an enormous sense of pleasure in that and fulfillment. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, verse 26 closes. When I read cleansing, I think of forgiving. So I've chosen that word. The Lord tells us that when it comes to the church, he, he's cleansed us. Isn't that great? When you and I came to the cross in our unsaved, in our unsaved state, in our lost condition, when we came to salvation, when we came to the open arms of Jesus, who said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we came to him by faith and trusted him and him alone, by faith alone, he cleansed our lives. Never will he tell us, now turn around and look, look how dirty you were. It's cleansed. It's forgiven. He never shames us for the life we once lived. He never holds us in probation to get past the life we once lived. When we come to the cross, there is an immediate erasing of the chalkboard and it is blank. As far as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He cleansed us. What does this have to do with marriage? A lot. One of the threads you must choose as a husband in order to make this tapestry what it was meant to be is forgiveness. Regular forgiveness. 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Even uses the same word, cleansing us. Keeps on cleansing. Isn't that a great thought? Constantly cleansing. Every day I count on him for that. I go to him and I say, Lord, I spoke too quickly. I said what I shouldn't have said, and I, and I didn't say it well. And I didn't say it with the right motive. I ask you to cleanse my, my uh, verbal sin that I had just committed. My thoughts aren't clean, and when they aren't clean and I come to terms with unclean thoughts, I'll say, Lord, I ask you to clean my thoughts. I ask you to forgive me for going there and thinking with greed or with lust or with anger. I ask you to cleanse me. Now, wives need forgiving, need forgiveness, okay? She's imperfect. She chose you, didn't she? I mean... Tells you something right there about her discernment. And there are, there are times that you will find she will do things for the wrong motive. She will be stubborn. She will be uh, inappropriate. She will lash out. And she will say things that later, realizing her wrong, she'll feel terrible about. Your role is to forgive her. Forgive her before she even asks forgiveness. Say, well, man, Chuck, it's getting tougher. Well, that's part of the pattern. That's why 
he chooses the threads. This is what makes it work. Chances are good, hearing me right now, are husbands who have dropped anchor. They've dropped anchor, and, and, and they've gotten hung up on something that their wives have done that shouldn't have been done, and you're stuck. Pull in the anchor. Tell her she's forgiven. If that's necessary, assure her of it. The Lord cleanses us by the washing of water in the word. How about it, my fellow husbands? Your relationship with your now long-standing bride marked by forgiveness? There's a fourth I'm calling honoring Look at verse 27, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. This is a great word picture. You've been to a great wedding. Uh, Pastors are fortunate who do weddings because they get to see the whole thing. I get to watch grooms as they stand there, just nervous as they can be, having just talked them into coming out and standing there. And then I get to look at the bride as she's brought from the bride's room and she's prepared to come down and looking at her daddy who's trying to remember his one line that he has in the whole, I get to see it all. And then I watch as the wedding march begins and she starts down that, that aisle. It is one of the most glorious moments you can ever watch as a minister of the gospel. All of a sudden the groom is, is enraptured with her. She's wearing a garment So carefully chosen, she'll never again in her life choose one more carefully. And here she is in all of her glory, and here he stands, ready to take her and to present themselves before these who have gathered as witnesses. It's wonderful. I'm a romantic all over again every time I come to that setting. (laughs) It's terrific. The most amazing things happen in weddings. All this emotion and the father standing there, trying to remember. I've heard fathers say, when I say, who gives this woman? He'll say, my mother and I do. <laughs> then he tries to sit down by his mother and she's not, he's not going to sit by me, I'll tell you that. And then this great moment when they come stepping up to the platform and they are there and the, and the lights are there and the other lights are low and the candles are burning and then the greatest words they'll ever share called their vows are spoken. It's magnificent as she is there in all of her glory. It's honor. It's called honor. We don't use it much outside the military. Honoring our wives. Placing them on our hearts as objects of honor. Listening to Insight for Living and a message from Chuck Swindoll titled The Most Challenging of All Relationships, Part 2. It comes from the series Becoming a People of Grace. If you'd like to hear more from Chuck on this important subject, he's responded to several questions on marriage, and those conversations are online. We've posted video clips for you to view at your leisure. Just go to insight.org. At Insight for Living, we believe nothing is more important than investing in your marriage relationship. And it all starts by understanding what God's Word teaches husbands and wives. 
This study today represents one very small section of a larger series. And if you'd like to learn more about the book of Ephesians, you'll want to order the 26-part expositional study. It's called Becoming a People of Grace. To place your order, go online to insight.org or call 1-800-772-8888. Well, as you enjoy today's message on marriage, Chuck's voice is going out around the country and around the world as well. When you give a donation, you're actually investing in the relationships of couples who hear these biblical principles too, and some of them for the very first time. Chuck? Contrary to what many folks assume, Cynthia and I haven't been sheltered from heartache or disappointment. We are painfully normal, and yet we've made it this far. How could that be true? Because we've discovered from God's Word what it takes to make a marriage work long-term. Cynthia and I have learned that a marriage stays strong only when both people remain committed during the difficult days. You see, it takes two. In many ways, the same is true of ministry. Would you stand with us today with a generous donation? Through the years, our commitment to you has grown stronger as well. But just as a marriage needs two to weather hard times, we need you. The key to survival, remember, is commitment, ours and yours. And here's how you can respond to Chuck Swindoll's request. Call 1-800-772-8888 or write Insight for Living, Box 269000, Plano, Texas 75026. You can also give a donation online at insight.org. We'd love to hear from you today. Call 1-800-772-8888 or write Post Office Box 269,000, Plano, Texas, 75026. And online, go to insight.org. Chuck Swindoll's message about the most challenging of all relationships continues next time on Insight for Living. Insight for Living.